So here we are a few weeks past the Bowman Chrome release. And, you know, as you've seen over a couple episodes that I've been talking about, it seemed that there was an issue that Topps was having with their superfractors uh, coming out of Bowman Chrome. And it appears uh, that is a rampant issue throughout that product. And Topps actually came out. And I mean, this is, this is, I, I, it's, probably sent some shockwaves through kind of, you know, the QCing and through probably people within the organization, to be completely honest. It's really unfortunate what happened, but Topps came out with a statement and said there are 95 duplicate one-of-ones in in Bowman Chrome, and that includes a lot of the top stars, and that includes, uh, like I said, a lot of big players getting their first Bowman. They have multiple superfractors. And what they did essentially was they created a buyback program uh, for whoever the first person was to pull the card and sent in the card to Tops. They would receive, you know, a sum of money. I think uh, some of the uh, some of the reports was that as it was around five hundred thousand dollars in total that they were going to be doing for these buybacks. I'm actually going to pull up a tweet right now just to make sure I have that number correct. Um, yeah, so some of the I mean some of the big stars include uh twenty five thousand for Manea's first and then Solace, who I think is the Giants player, he uh his was going for seventy five thousand dollars, which I think is very interesting. Okay, so announced uh, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus in buybacks, rebuy the duplicate one of ones. Uh so I'm not sure if this exactly works when uh, you, if both people send it, I, I, I would imagine, I would imagine that can't be both. It wouldn't be both. Like there's no reason for it really to be both, but it is also interesting that tops. I think the most interesting thing coming out of this is that this is one of the first times we've seen a card company come out and say, this is what the value of this card should be. Um, you know, $75,000 for a first Bowman superfractor obviously isn't a small chunk of change for tops to be giving out. And I just wonder, like, I almost look at this and I, I wonder if that, how much of an effect that's going to have on the other card that ends up selling. And I do also wonder, like, if there's going to be changes in this, um, if there's going to be, you know, like, if a player, hypothetically, that gets their first Bowman, like, maybe... I would imagine all the first Bowmans are probably priced higher than the non-first Bowmans. But, like, if a player goes on to have, like, a crazy career, like, is it going to change the price? Which I, I guess, actually, too, like, that wouldn't really... Like, if a player's going on, the person... Either, either the, I would imagine, because, you know, we wouldn't know a player is going to be good for another three, four, five years down the road. I would imagine that the card's buyback would have already been fulfilled, if I had to guess. Now, what happens to these cards on the open market is sort of my other question here like i said the the manea like does that become does that seventy five thousand dollars that tops put the price on does that mean that the other card is then worth seventy five thousand dollars i guess that's kind of an interesting question and we won't really know until we see some of these other cards sell and we did already have an issue where uh let me see it was on ebay so it was the uh, Reina Arias. Oh no! So he's the guy on the Giants. So his first Bowman Superfractor sold on eBay 
for $1,500. And literally, like, the next day, Topps came out and said, actually, that card's worth $25,000. Uh, I think that Saga's really going to... Ha- I mean, this is sort of the weird thing. It's some- one of the nuances of the solution here. Like, I think that this is probably the best solution that Topps could have came up with. They're giving back money to the collectors. They're giving back money to people who have pulled the cards. Now, what are they going to do if both people put in the card right away? And, like, you know, I I would imagine they have to, no matter what, say, whoever is the first person to contact Tops with this info is the one that's going to be getting paid out. I would imagine that that has to be the solution here. There's no way that they could... I don't know. I, I, I don't think they would do this. There's no reason for them to get into any more type of scandal like they already have with this product. Uh, but, you know, like I said, also credit to Tops here because this is like a, like I said, this was a $600,000 mistake. Now, with, yeah, with, with, with sports cards and stuff nowadays, like, they probably, this is the $600,000 that they have to spend on all of these cards is probably chump change for that product. Like, especially because Bowman Chrome is like the biggest product. So like the margins that they're getting on Bowman Chrome are probably pretty high. Like the amount of this product that they sold, like, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head how many cases they would have to sell for for the 600000 But I if I had to guess, I mean, realistically, like, if you're tops, that's probably I don't know. I'm sort of making this number up, but you know, maybe it's accurate, maybe it's not. Maybe you can, if somebody knows, if somebody knows the number a little bit better than I do, it's what five percent, five percent of what tops made on Bowman Chrome. They have to reimburse, like so. It's not like a huge number in the grand scheme of things for tops. The seventy-five thousand dollars for a card is actually pretty insane, though. Like if you really think about it, like for that solace first Bowman one-of-one Super Factor, to say that it's worth $75,000, like, I wonder, like, like I said, does that make the other card worth more than $75,000, or, like, does it make it less? Because, you know, it's, we, we know technically that it's, you know, that there was this issue with this card. And then the other thing that I, I, the only, I don't know, the only issue that I really have with this, with this program is that like what about the people that don't have social media like what about the people like what's going to happen to like not all and this goes back to the point of um that i made on a previous episode about the victor Wembanyama uh redemptions not all and it's the same for this but it's it's a little bit different but like i said with the victor Wembanyama, not all 99 green autographs are going to be redeemed ever like they're just they're it's just i would say the chances of that happening are slim to none that all 99 of these redemptions are going to be given out. Same with this buyback program. Like, all 95 of these cards are not going to be... Uh, they're not going to be redeemed. Like, they're not going to be sent back to be, buy, to, be to be bought back. Now, whether that's because they never get pulled or because people pull it and they don't know and they just either sell it or whatever, I mean... I really think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, like, I almost think that they need to work with eBay for this product. And I think this is where Tops and Fanatics need to maybe figure out a way to work with these platforms. Like eBay, for example, this would be a perfect example. Like, if someone's trying to sell 
the one of one uh, for any of these cards, like it almost feels like there should be some sort of notification that they get. Not and, and there's there's really no way to do this, I think, because of how many cards being listed every single day. But it's like if Tops could somehow work with eBay, I think it would actually would be another good solution. If if someone goes to list that card, they get a notification that says, "Have you looked at this article of the buyback? Like, are you like?" Which, granted, it could also be like once a like I said, this is where it, this is where the logistics and the back end and the IT may not come into play here, or may not be may, it may not make it work because it's like once it's redeemed, somehow you take the message away from that player on eBay. I guess that wouldn't be super hard. Like if they're setting it up, there's got to be a way that they can figure out how to make it so the message doesn't come up. But either way, like it just, I wonder down the road how this is going to affect the car, how this is going to affect the cards, and like if we will see down the road, like I don't know, maybe there's a collector that wants to buy both the superfractors, and I don't know. I mean, that's maybe another thing that is. It's just this is a mess, and I think Tops did the best that they could to fix the mess. And I think, honestly, people that are complaining are just trying to farm engagements realistically. Like, this is just not – this is such a unique scenario. At least I hope it is. And we don't know what other solutions Tops had in mind. But giving the money to people to buy back the cards I think is a really good solution for this debacle, unfortunately, that happened with this release. Football is in full swing. The other day, either today or yesterday, was probably some of your team's media days uh, for basketball. MLB postseason is here as well. The teams have been finalized. That's going uh, to be really exciting. And then we also have the NHL preseason that's starting. I think, and then NBA preseason, which actually starts in uh, like in the next like week or so. But what I think this means for sports cards is that I would imagine see. The interesting thing that you would think that would happen with sports cards is, like, baseball would go up because it's a postseason. Now, I'm sure you'll probably find some cards that are going up. But across the board, things are probably evening out because what ends up happening is that people are focused on some of these other sports with NBA coming back. And I think that's one of, actually, the big things with football and why, if you look at some of the big cards over the past few years, uh, and not just kind of their... Yeah, yeah, their decrease from the top to where they are now, unfortunately. But if you look at some of the increases and decreases in some of the top players within football, what at least I've seen on some of these cards is that, like, around the preseason, like right before the season starts, that's when you're seeing some of the high highs of the whole of the whole entire season. Now, the, now the Super Bowl in general. The past few years, we've also seen some like huge monumental players. You know, Mahomes. You got Brady. You got Jalen Hurts. Um, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow, um, I forget who the quarterback, Sam Bradford, no, not Sam, not Sam Bradford, uh, the, the Rams quarterback whose name, off the top of my head, I, I'm forgetting right now, and I'm sure midway through the episode I'll remember this, but like, the cards that you're seeing, now that his name, his, forgetting his name is going to bother me, but I, I will, I will remember it by the end of the episode, hopefully, but what I have seen, at least, from some of these big cards, is the the pricing of them ends up being the highest during the preseason. I think it's actually because how excited people get for the beginning of the preseason. Like I feel like football of all the sports is really one of the sports where you, people are just every, it feels like almost every team has an opportunity to win and everybody gets excited for the football season. 
baseball, I feel like it's kind of similar, but I, I do think you do you do see some more increases and decreases throughout the season. Where, uh, like I said, with the with football, you really are seeing the high highs coming around the beginning of the preseason, uh, and then once the kind of the season starts, things slow down a little bit. I do think that there is also something to say about like the fact that you know you look at like a Mahomes or whatever, like his prices are pretty much I think where they're going to be for the majority of his career at this point uh because you know he he, he's won super bowls he's won mvps he's consistently one of the best players in the league so i just don't see how sam bradford is the name of the rams quarterback also i just remembered it i just remembered it i did i swear i didn't look it up but sam bradford no not sam bradford matthew stafford i just said did i say matthew stafford or sam whatever doesn't matter doesn't matter doesn't matter patch mahomes that card the prices are already the price the Super Bowl of the MVPs that's already baked in there. Like you really, it's going to be a tough, a tough sell or a tough buy out of whichever way you want to look at it for that card to really increase in value. Now hockey, to be honest, I don't know that much about the hockey market, so I can't really say one way or the other like when the prices are high and when they kind of dip and when you're seeing it. As most of them are, it's like the you know the middle of the off season. Um, I feel like it's probably when things are really low. You know, the other thing with the NBA and NFL is that I think that their off seasons are they're really formulated. No form, form you formulated. Maybe they are. It's a formula. Like they have basically to a T when things are going to happen, and when things happen, they they build a lot of hype. You know, you got free agency, you got the draft, you got the schedule release, you got uh, you know, this the the the, the start of the preseason. Like it's it's it's. The NFL does a phenomenal job. I think the NBA also does a really good job with that kind of stuff, which, you know, in some scenarios, that can lead to increases in prices. I mean, if you see, like, a good wide receiver or you see, like, a good uh, running back maybe go to a bigger team, like, you may see a bit of a, a bump. But, like, with quarterbacks, if a quarterback's switching teams, that's usually a bad thing in most scenarios. Like, it's rare, you know, Jimmy G maybe is an example of it being a good thing, but it's rare, I feel like, that you see a quarterback, like Kirk Cousins maybe another example, but like, I guess Matthew Stafford maybe another example. But, and so maybe the example isn't as good as I was saying, but it feels like in most scenarios, if a quarterback is switching teams and going to a better team, it, it it usually it, it it can be half and half. It can be fifty fifty whether that ends up panning out. With the NBA, it almost feels like it maybe is the complete opposite. Like you look at the things that happened, and I I don't think I did an episode on this actually. Uh, but you know you got Dam- Damian Lillard going to play with the Milwaukee Bucks, and then you got Drew Holiday coming to my Celtics. Those are two massive trades that happened right before media day. If those were if those were to have happened in the off season, I feel like there would have been like a crazy amount of buzz, but because basically I, I feel like there would have been even more buzz with those trades, but because like the preseason and the media days are kind of all starting right now. Sure. They are monster stories like Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard trade has been like in the works for like almost his whole career. Like almost every year, it feels like Damian Lillard has been like maybe not trying to get a trade, but it feels like everyone's like, we should trade for Damian Lillard or whatever. Drew holiday, has been rumored to come to the Celtics. Brad Stevens said that he wanted to get Drew Holiday since he's been a coach there, which now he's like the GM president, basically. But that, that, that's, again, besides the point there. But I think what you're going to see now is I think you may see a little bit of leveling off when it comes to prices because 
during, you know, the summer, all you have is baseball. And then, like I said, when you get to football preseason, it's like everyone is so excited for football preseason because all summer, all that we've really had was, you know, you had the, you had this year, you had the uh, USA basketball team flopping in the FIBA World Cup or whatever. But then you have so many people getting excited for the preseason for football that it's like that's when you start to see like some of the juice really come back into those cards because people are excited. They're excited for their players. They're excited for the, the rookies, especially because what ends up happening in the preseason, the rookies are getting much more playing time than the veterans. Like the rookies, second, third years are they're the ones getting all of the playing time in the preseason. So you get they're getting more airtime. They're getting on TV more. They're getting the ball more. All of these things lead to you know, a little bit of a bump in these prices. But now that, like I said, basketball, it's it's still in the preseason. NHL is in the preseason. MLB is kind of, is 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 uh, almost over. I think we're going to see a little bit of a, a and this is a prediction I, I don't know necessarily one way or the other. Like I said, it's just, with, with card prices nowadays, it's almost impossible, in my opinion, to really give advice on what is going to happen with the cards because I feel like it, it is just so... It, it, I feel like it. It maybe it maybe it wasn't like this, but it felt like for a couple of years, basically everything went up. And I think then with the pandemic and sports kind of closing down, that also had an effect on it because people were looking at the cards and saying, "Well, this guy has unlimited potential because he's not playing right now." Uh, you know, and 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 then you know, with the next season, it's like even if they don't play well in the bubble, it's like, well, they, who? What do you expect? They're playing. They're going down to Florida to play in the bubble. Like, so you had almost like a you almost had like two off seasons for the NBA where cards were just going crazy, and now things are kind of. Um, I think coming back to normal, you know, for a multitude of different reasons, I don't really even think, honestly, that's a whole nother podcast for another day of why card prices have stabilized and they've, uh, like what has happened to the hobby over the past, even six months to a year that has altered the market in a, in a similar way that the market was altered when prices were going extremely high and going super crazy. So I don't know. I think we're going to see sort of maybe a, a leveling out of some of these card prices, maybe it'll be a good time to buy. Maybe, you know, maybe just keep an eye out for some players. Like you never know with the NFL, unfortunately there's injuries all the time. So maybe you'll have an opportunity there, but either way it's exciting. All of these sports are coming back and we are going to have four sports on, uh, well, four of the major sports, obviously WNBA also should have, I, I should have mentioned WNBA. They're getting close to the finals too. So I guess that was on during the summer as well, but you, you know, I think you get the point of kind of what I was trying to make. Uh, which WNBA? That's a whole another. Uh, Aaliyah Boston. This is maybe another conversation for another <laughs> another day. But Aaliyah Boston, WNBA Rookie of the Year, phenomenal number one pick last year. Uh, obviously, the biggest player coming out of this year's Prism. Super exciting. Uh, but that's you know what we, we are. We are close to baseball, basketball, football, and hockey all being back at the same time, which is one of the best times of the year. So if you follow people like Darren Ravel or any like the business people on Twitter, you probably have seen this story. So the uh, Charlotte Hornets, no, Charlotte Bobcats. No, they're the Hornets. They're the Hornets now. I always get confused with that team because they changed so many times and there was also the Hornets and the Bobcats. But either way, Charlotte Hornets. They are actually partnering with somebody who is one of the biggest YouTube creators I guess you could maybe say of, of all time. I mean, I don't think he's the number one followed YouTube channel, but I know that he has like hundreds of millions of subscribers. So it's Mr. Beast. So uh, that is, I think that's actually a way bigger deal for 
I think it's a big deal for cards, in my opinion, too, because I think what's going to happen here is we have seen products with the uh, – and, and here and – like I said, sorry. This, I, I, I'm a little bit scatterbrained here at the beginning of this episode because there's a couple things that I want to say. So like the thing that happened this um, – this week with the NFL, the way that like Taylor Swift really kind of expanded the market for women within the uh, within the NFL, basically, I think is something similar is going to happen with kids with basketball from this thing, and it may even translate into sports cards. To be completely honest, because I mean, I even like Mr. Beast's content. Like, I watch a lot of his videos, and they're not really like I think he has said on podcasts and stuff that he really isn't making. Like, he's making the videos that he thinks will do well for, like, the younger demographic, for, like, the teenage demographic. I mean, I guess the Squid Game video that he did that was, like, super popular, that was probably one of – I think that's actually one of the craziest collaborations that ended up happening. He also did one – he also did an interesting video. Now, sorry, I don't mean to get into Mr. Beast lore on this episode, but there was an episode – or there was, a, there was a video that he did where he took – Somebody from every single age, from the age one to a hundred, and he put them in like challenges, and then like the last person won a bunch of money. It, it's actually a phenomenal video, and I definitely and you definitely will not be able to guess who wins at the end. Now that's not a that's not a plug or clickbait for his video, but I, I didn't I wouldn't have been able to guess who was going to win at the at the beginning of the video. Uh, I thought it would have been someone in their twenties, but I, I it was not. But either way, so I it's a, it's a good video. You should go watch. So we may see Mr. Beast patches in card products like we've seen you know disney uh disney who is the orlando magic sponsor we've seen harley davidson who was the milwaukee bucks sponsor at one point obviously we've seen nike that's a little bit different we've seen jordan patches but i think that this is actually going to i think it's going to be interesting where panini chooses to put these patches because if, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, if they're smart, they'll put some of these Mr. Beast patches in like in like products that are lower value. So that way there's actually a chance because I believe it was Eminence. It was either Eminence or Impeccable. It was like a gold product that was like super high end. Like it was almost impossible to find some of these like really nice like one of one uh, patches that were the full patches. Now, obviously, they're going to want to split these patches up, so you're probably going to see ones that are like fourth of a patch or like a half of a patch or, you know, a quarter of a patch or fourth quarter, same thing. But I think if Panini was smart, which, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get into that, but if they – if they knew how to market this 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 specific thing, I think that they could have a hit on their hand. If you know, I don't think that they should put these patches in like Prism or something. They should put them in like some sort of like mid tier. Like they shouldn't. They will be in like National Treasures, I think, and they will be in those super high end products. But I do think it would be worth it for them to put some of these patches into lower end products for kids to be able to pull a Mr. Beast patch. And it wouldn't even surprise me. It would almost doubly, I, I think that they could take, honestly, they could take whatever product they wanted to and put it into the stratosphere. If they were to maybe partner with Mr. Beast, uh, now granted it, it may be one of those things where like if Mr. Beast pulls a Mr. Beast patch uh, from Panini and all with we've seen some sketchy things kind of going on with Panini uh, high-end boxes over the past couple of years uh, you know who who really knows I mean as long as 
I think with stuff like that too, that's kind of maybe a little bit of a different conversation, but I think with stuff like that, if they are, if the cards that they're giving to influencers or, uh, you know, content creators or people, if there's, or like Michael Rubin is opening stuff, if there's a way that they can at least say like, this is, we like because because they know what cards. This is the thing. They know what cards are going in the boxes. They don't know necessarily. They don't know. I'm putting in quotations. They don't know which boxes are going to who, uh, or they're not deciding which boxes are going to who. They know which boxes are going to who probably, but they don't know. And I, I all of these things are kind of in quotations because it's not. They have never. Panini has never come out at, even after all the controversies. And this was one of the things that Tops did that I, they've done that I think they've done really well is when they've had controversies, they've come out and they've addressed it. Panini is just like, mm, no, we're not going to say anything. And you know that I don't know. We'll see down the road what ends up happening. Like if I'm Fanatics, I, you know, part part of that Panini lawsuit, I, I would almost want Fanatics to be like, do have you or do you? give products like that to influencers or people like do you know who you're giving these boxes to i would want i'd be interested to see this see this but if they were to partner sorry to get back to the topic if they were to partner with mr beast on the actual product i think that would be a good idea and and also i'm kind of this is a hypothetical as well because i'm not 100 percent sure i think that these patches will be in products i have to i would have to imagine that all of these sponsor patches should be going into products but if they were to if they were to partner with Mr. Beast, give him some boxes or something, or do some sort of promotion with him, they could literally take whatever product and they could make that the most popular product in half a second as soon as they and as soon as they announce that Mr. Beast is partnering with Panini uh, and there's going to be a Mr. Beast patch in the product, they could literally take that product and turn that into the hottest product on the market. Now. I think that would that could help them because you know if like I said in a couple episodes before if you go into Targets and WalMarts and stuff there's product there's product from all of last year still on the shelves there's NBA products there's Prism there's Donruss there's Optic there's Select there's Mosaic now that's coming out like there are there's just product for all, like if you could and I don't even know what they're doing with it like because eventually they have to put the new product on the shelves so I I don't know what they're doing with it I, I think it's a really cool idea that they have uh, the NBA has decided to partner with Mr. Beast. I mean, it's one of the first, you know, we've seen it with like Prime with Logan Paul's uh, drink. You know, I think they partnered with some, I forget which, I, I think it was a, a Premier League team. I forget off the top of my head, but they were, they were like the main sponsor. Like I know they're the drink sponsor, but we're seeing these influencers create these products and the, which Mr. Beast, so it's Feast, it's not technically Mr. Beast, but it's Feastables, which is like the, the candy bars, essentially. And, and that's one of Mr. Beast's companies. So, I, sorry, I should maybe should have prefaced that at the beginning. I don't think it really matters because I do think the Feastables logo is basically the same as the Mr. Beast logo. Um, so we're seeing more influencers get into the sports space and try and do these types of things. And Mr. Beast is just one of the first athletes that's really gotten into the American sports market. And I think it's going to be really cool if they can integrate this into sports cards somehow. Okay, so this is this is the second time that I've recorded the episode. I'm going to be completely transparent here. I already recorded the episode, but I went back and I did a little bit of research and I found that this was a trend that potentially started last year. 
uh, with the, so basically, you know, the, the whole first part of the episode, the first recording of the episode, I was kind of ranting about Connor Bedard not being on the Series 1 checklist and being, like, annoyed that he wasn't on the Series 1 checklist and being annoyed that they, you know, they kind of sold the product as, like, the number one pick is going to be in there. Now, what I went back and checked was, like, the first picks in the past few drafts, which products have they been included in? And the first pick from last year's 2022 draft, he did, even though he made his debut and he made the opening day uh, roster or opening skate, I, I, I'm not 100% sure what they call it in hockey, but the opening skate, opening day roster, he did only play about half the season because of injuries and he got suspended. And then towards the towards the, the second half of the season, he had an injury that basically just kept him out for the rest of the season. Um, I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because I have no idea how to pronounce it. But then I went back and checked 2021, no, 2022. Sorry, 2021, the first overall pick was in Series 1. 2020, the first overall pick was in Series 1. Uh, and so it, it looks like that they have in the past not included the first overall pick in Series 1. Now, if last year was the first year that they did this, I think that there needs to be maybe a little bit of communication potentially from Upper Deck to say, like, this is what we're doing now. And maybe the communication is just that's what they're going to be doing. And from now on, we can just assume that the first overall pick is going to be in Series 2. You know, it's very similar to, like, Bowman Draft, where the first and the third pick are in Bowman Draft of that year. And then the second pick is usually in the next year's Bowman Baseball, which comes out in, I believe, January or February... Um, and then the, the, the first and the third pick are in Bowman draft, which usually comes out around December. Actually, no. So then Bowman baseball probably comes out in like April, not, not January, February, because December is definitely the date for Bowman draft. Um, so it seems like upper deck is kind of taking a very similar approach to this series one product going forward. Um, I don't know if this was in anticipation for Bedard, like, they did switch the configurations uh, in this year's Series 1. Like, they dropped the amount of cards, which just doesn't really make much sense to me, because Upper Deck has a Series 1, Series 2, and Tops, or, or, or an update, kind of similar to what Bowman and Tops does with uh, Bowman Baseball, Bowman Chrome, and then Bowman Draft. Um, but they dropped the configuration. They dropped the amount of cards that come in the Series 1 product from about 190, which I think it was... I may be doing the math wrong here, but I think it was 8 cards in 12 packs. Um, yeah, I think that's what it was. No, maybe it might have been It might have been 8 cards in 16 packs, I think. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but they, I'm not sure what the total configuration of packs for packs per cards per pack and then how many packs but they basically dropped it from 190 down to 150 um like i said if this was in anticipation for connor bedard which is what i suspected when i first heard the news that they were dropping the number of configurations or the number of cards in the box i don't really like it if they bring the series two back to what they originally did then i guess that's good but at the same time it's like if they if they keep it the same i don't like that they are decreasing the amount of cards that are coming in their flagship hobby boxes. Like that does, I don't care who the prospect is. The amount of cards in a box should not be determined by who the prospect is. Like 
it shouldn't be de- it should be determined by it should just be a standard like it should just be the standard of what you always have done like you should not be changing the amount of card you shouldn't be and if anything you should be increasing the amount of cards you shouldn't be decreasing if you want to make a change on the flagship product increase the amount of cards that you can get change it around so you're getting more cards or more memorabilia or more you just you, there should just be more like these these card companies especially now that with Connor Bedard this year it's going to be ridiculous series two so that's that's basically the news here is that Con and I, I guess maybe I should have maybe I did mention that maybe I didn't at the beginning of the episode hopefully you're still listening to this point but Connor Bedard is not on the series one checklist now Connor Bedard has been a number one prospect. He's been widely known as the number one pick for this last 2023 draft for a couple years. So, like, maybe the 2022 configuration of the first pick not being in Series 1 was decided because they were trying to sell Series 2, and they knew that what they were going to be doing in Series 2 this year They knew that two years ago, so they made the change in last year's Series 1, putting that first pick in Series 2, so that way Connor Bedard would be in Series 2. It is, you know, from a company and making money standpoint, I guess it's fairly smart from a consumer, um, and then changing the configuration as well, which this this is the first year, like I said, if they keep the configuration, they don't change back, that, you know, that's just ridiculous, and it, it, it just, in my opinion, it's really just like a slap in the face to anybody who, especially hockey, like, I don't necessarily follow hockey as much, but I know that all the hockey people are like diehard hockey, like, they only collect hockey. Like, anybody who's really into hockey is really only a hockey collector. So the fact that Upper Deck would come out and make this change is a real slap in the face to those collectors. Like, it, especially when Upper Deck, when you look around the industry, there has been turmoil with every single company that has kind of been in this industry when it comes to licensing, when it comes to, you know, tops being bought by fanatics, when it when it's fanatics suing Panini, when it's Panini suing fanatics, when it's wildcard be suing, you know, uh wildcard suing Panini. There's all these lawsuits and you know, upper deck is upper deck all they have to do is just stay the course just stay the course and that's all you have to work like you come out with this product and everybody's happy with it but they made two major changes in the past two years that for me it just doesn't sit right with me like i get that you know top series one series two update they are including the rookies throughout the year that get their that get their you know their debuts and they come in and they actually are got their rookie cards the young guns is a little bit different obviously but like it should be the same thing realistically for for ho- the hockey products like it should ju- you should just have all of the top draft picks all the first round picks in the series 1 product like i get that they're trying to sell the product and series 2 is going to be good but it's like i just don't you know there's going to be rookies that maybe in the second, third, fourth, fifth round that make their debuts and they end up getting that young guns card later on like i i guess i don't know i mean maybe i get splitting up the rookies but to to make that change last year and then this year it being Bedard, just he's going to be in Series 2, that's just, I don't know. Something with something about that doesn't sit right with me. Um, and I, I, I don't know whose decision it was over at Upper Deck, but in my opinion, it's actually pretty disappointing that they made the configuration change and that they made the change to the first pick uh, 
you know, and if they've done it in the past, I guess, I don't know, because then the 2020 and 2021, they put the first pick in. So it's like, you got to decide what you want to do here. You just, you know, just, you got to figure it out and decide what you want to do and, you know, take the collectors, keep them in mind when you're making these decisions. Like, it just doesn't sit right with me that they would just make these changes for one player. Like I said, the player should not determine what the product, how the product is configured. Uh, that should be that should be pretty obvious, but I think in this in this scenario, maybe it isn't as obvious as uh, maybe it isn't as obvious as we all think it is. If you love baseball and if you love Taco Bell, uh, then this is you know this is probably something that's pretty interesting to you. I'd say you know we've known that uh, the MLB has partnered with Taco Bell in the past and done the like steal a base steal a taco promotion in the World Series where like if a player steals a base uh, everybody gets a free taco or I forget exactly what it was but in uh, in this year's one of the tops products they actually came out with uh, something called a taco fractor now there were there was confusion about what this was like no one really knew uh you know i feel like taco fractor people probably figured it was had something to do with taco bell but uh you know they did like the the sub-zero fractor they've done a couple different refractors that i i, I mean i'm interested actually if that one's going to have some a promotion similar to this i don't really know probably not but either way so it's been announced that if a player that uh, has the Taco Fractor. Now, I think the Taco Fractors are numbered to five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if a player uh, steals a base in the World Series, they the person with that card will be able to redeem it for what they say is a lifetime supply of Taco Bell, which is actually $15,000, a $15,000 gift card to Taco Bell, which, like, I've, uh, I, I was talking to some people in a group chat today, and I think my Taco Bell order is around $15 to $16, so, yeah, that would be a lifetime's worth of Taco Bell for me, considering I, it's not like a restaurant. If it was closer, maybe I would go more often, but the... Um, you know, just to be honest, it's not super close to me. Like, there's, it's a pretty far drive to go to one, so it's kind of like a thing. Like, I almost have to make it into an event uh, or whatever to go. So, you know, the the thousand times that I would be able to go in my lifetime, maybe if I had a fifteen thousand dollar gift card, I would go more often or whatever. But I, I, I don't know. But either way, I think it's pretty cool that. Uh, I think here's what I think about the promotion. I think the promotion is just wacky enough with just enough. Um, it's it's the it's the I think it's a good amount of wacky with a good amount of like actually a cool concept that I think Tops and Fanatics did a really good job with this uh, and you know just looking at some of the other statistics with this uh, let me see so Eric Whiteback actually did a pretty good um, did a pretty good write up about this so the the Tops Taco Fractor set. Uh, includes 300 cards, so there's one wild card. So the, the, the pretty much the thing is like, if no player that has this taco fractor, uh, if they don't steal a base, then the person with the wild card, which actually the interesting part about that is the wild card actually recently sold on eBay for eleven thousand dollars. Now the only problem with that is that. 83 of the 300 taco fractors are still eligible. So like. You know, a lot of the key players, you know, the, the Ronald Acuna, like uh, players that are probably going to be playing in the World Series. Like right now, there's 83 players out of the 300 that are still available uh, to, you know, if they steal the base, you get a $15,000 lifetime supply of Taco Bell. Um, and I'm just looking at, like I said, I'm looking at the tweets. So 
let's see, you know, the 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 wild card. That's kind of the other kind of interesting part about this is there's only 299 cards in the set, which then, like I said, there's only there's only 83 of these players are even eligible for it, which I, you know, actually with the wild card, that would mean that this promotion will will end this year. It won't be like, if no one does it, it'll be, you know, it'll go on. It's the wild card. So, you know, if one of the 83 players steals that base, whoever has that card can redeem it for um, the free talk, the free talk about. And, you know, like I said, Tops has done some pretty cool promotions. I think this past year with a lot of their products, you know, they did like the, uh, the, 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 the follow back for, uh, I think that there was a card in Tops big league. I'm pretty sure they did like a follow back, which, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely for a certain audience. Like, when I was asking around about it, some people were like, it's really not that cool. But, like, if you're a kid and you pull this, like, you know, to be able to say Mike Trout or, like, Mookie Betts or any of the players that have this, that they follow you on Instagram, obviously, or whatever social media you choose, obviously that's going to be um, something that you kind of, I, I don't know. If you're a kid and you're doing this, you're probably... You, you may or may not even be like, yeah, I want a contest, and that's why they follow me. You might just kind of be like, yeah, they follow me because I'm, like, so cool or whatever. I don't know. I think it would still be cool, like, you know, uh, if 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 even from from my perspective at, at my age, I'm not necessarily a kid anymore. Uh, I guess I'm maybe a kid at heart, but not uh, at it from an age perspective. Uh, it still, I think it would be kind of cool to have that, you know, be able to say, oh, I, I have this card, or I don't know. If I pulled it, I might sell it or do something with it. I, I don't know. I, I forget. I think some of them were selling. I don't remember what the prices were. They sold back when Big League was first coming out. I think one of the... I think it was like the... Adley Rushman potentially sold for like a couple thousand dollars. Um, but this was, you know, like I said, they, they came out with this announcement that the Taco Fractor... This is what the Taco Fractor promotion is going to be. And I think it's a cool way that Tops is actually working with the MLB and with the MLB and obviously Taco Bell that they have this promotion going. I think it's I think it's a good way that Tops is getting the players more involved in cards like getting not necessarily like getting more autographs or any of these things. Like they're they're they are they're doing promotions that have more to do with actually what's going on on the field, uh, which is something that I feel like we haven't really seen. Like you know, there's obviously uh, this is maybe a little bit of a different example, but we have the you know the select. Uh, there's the XRCs, which are determined by the draft. So not exactly the same, but like that is determined by something that's going on outside of the uh, outside of the product. Um, so, like I said, we'll see if any of these 83 players, you know, make it to the World Series and if they uh, if they do this. And I, I guess the cards, I'm not sure if it's, this is a redemption that, like, expires. Like, I'm wondering, it's probably the first player. It can't be all of them, so it's probably whoever the first player is. And, uh, you know, once we get to the World Series, we'll actually see who even has the opportunity to get this. Uh, because I think, like I said, if no players are eligible, or if no players that are in the World Series, which I can't imagine there would be, but, like, if no players steal a base or whatever, then the wild card wins, which, you know, the $11,000 that person uh, bought the card for on eBay is going to turn into a $15,000 Taco Bell gift card 
card, you know, I'd be I'd be interested to know if that person would rather have the $11,000 or if they'd rather have the $15,000 gift card to Taco Bell. I don't know. We'll see. But it's going to be interesting to see what players make it to the World Series. And, you know, with the playoffs going on, uh, this is, you know, I, I said this in an earlier episode this week. It's one of the best times of the year for sports because all the sports are back and we're starting one of the most exciting playoffs in all of the four major sports, in my opinion, as well.